Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Central Vineyard Online. I'm glad to be bringing to a close our series that was kicked off in January by Steve on the book of Ephesians. Yet, I believe that even though we are concluding the series, for us, my desire is it will be the beginning of the journey of actually practicing some of the works that were identified. So in a way, it's just the book we're concluding, but this is where the real work actually begins. For us as a modern day believer to actually live out the things we have learned. But before we dig in into today's text, I would like us to pray. Thank you, Father, for bringing us this opportunity again to learn at your feet. It's you we seek. It's you we love, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you give us a receptive heart, that as we look into your word in the book of Ephesians, that we will not only read your word, that we will be transformed by your word. We desire your word to read us. We desire the message you're going to bring us to help us to reflect who Christ is. I pray, O oh Lord, for myself that you give me utterance. And I pray for my hearer that you give us reception wherever they're listening from. I thank you, Father. And I bless your name. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Before we go into our text um, for today, I would love to give us a brief summary of where we're coming from in this book and where we ought to be going. Before I invite Emisi to read the text for us, and after which I go into the theme for today. So what, where are we coming from? What have we actually covered in the book of Ephesians? As Steve stressed, context is key. When I was researching this book, in my own opinion, I tend to agree with the view of Bishop N.T. Wright, that the book of Ephesians should have been called the book for the church. It is Apostle Paul's theological masterpiece. It is a book for churches in every geographical location and every region. In fact, Bishop N.T. Wright 
said, if the reformation of Christianity in the West has come from the lens of Apostle Paul from the book of Ephesians, maybe the story of the modern day uh, Christianity in the West could have been different if it's not uh, if we didn't use the lens of Romans and Galatians. And I tend to agree with this because Ephesians as a book from Apostle Paul was a book that showed us exactly where the church stand, how the church should work, and how we can know our identity in Christ. So in other words, we know where we are seated in the heavenlies with Christ. We know how we need to behave in the world we live in. And then we know in order to live our faith, there will be challenges. There will be battles, spiritual battles, so to say. And because of this, we need to stand our ground. So before we proceed, I just want us to know that Steve made us to realize that the book is a book of two halves. The first half being our identity in Christ and the second half, the way we need to behave because of our identity in Christ. Also, um, Tom make us to realize in the second lesson that our identity in Christ is the God's big story. And that's what we call the gospel story. And Tom, in the second teaching of um, Ephesians chapter 2, made us realize that we need to look forward to God's big story, which we call the gospel, to affect our lives' story. So that's another way of talking about our identity and our affecting our behavior. So when we understand the gospel story, we will be able to understand how it affects our life story. And Tammy last week made us to realize part of the way, and in fact, it's Tammy and Martins, they did a brilliant series on Ephesians chapter four and Ephesians chapter five, demonstrating to us the way to actually behave because of our understanding of our identity. Martin made us to understand how we need to live in unity, our call to unity, our call to purity, because we are a new man in Christ. And Tammy went further on to make us realize 
we need to walk in love and we need to walk in the light. So, but before we proceed, that's where we are now. And that is, we left it off at chapter five. But today, we're going to be dealing with the text um, from Ephesians chapter five, from 21 to Ephesians chapter six to 20. Now, I'll allow Emisi to read it for us. And Father, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of a wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of the body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands or husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one ha hates his own body, but feeds it and cares it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So I say again, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents because you long belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your mother and father, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try not to please them all the time. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching. All slaves of Christ do do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm and as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favourites. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against 
flesh and bone enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the times of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, and the body and the body armour of God's righteousness. For the shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan, that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Thank you, Missy, for reading it for us. Now, let's now go into our text that has been just read. I wouldn't be able to go through it all in all entirety. I just want to submit to us that I want to focus on Ephesians chapter 10 to 18, which um, deals with the final phase of what uh, Apostle Paul was trying to bring to us. We already know where we seated, which we, we refer to as our identity. We understand the spiritual blessing and the spiritual wealth that's available to us, the unlimited resources of God. We know what is expected of us, how our identity should fuel the way we behave. We now know how we are supposed to work, that is our spiritual work. But then we have to now learn to understand that concerning our unity in Christ and our maturity, that is our growth as the church, will be contended. The enemy, which we call Satan and his host, they are going to give it, they're going to give us a run for our desire, our commitment to want to become like Christ and to do like Christ. So that is the main theme for today. That's, that's exactly what I want to dig my teeth in today. That how do we take our stand because of what we know about identity, because we desire to actually become like Christ and do like Christ? How do we resist the devil? How do we resist the host of darkness? That's what today's teaching is about. So we need to realize according to Ephesians 6 10 that number one spiritual battle requires spiritual strength spiritual battle requires spiritual strength the word of the Lord says in 10 be strong with the Lord's mighty power 
So that's the first thing I want you to realize that spiritual battle requires spiritual strength, not physical strength. And this strength is in the Lord. In fact, if we reflect on Michelle's teaching on Ephesians chapter 3, the prayer of Paul there was in twofold for us to receive the knowledge of the love of Christ for us. How deep, how wide. And then number two, that we will be strengthened, which is power. So the knowing is the identity we are talking about. So after we know our spiritual blessing, because we know there will be a contention, it's very important for us to now receive strength to wage war and to stand. You know, most, most um, teaching will go directly into the armor, but just imagine an army without strength. It's not going to run. How are you going to make use of your armor? So the first thing we need to realize is we need spiritual battle requires spiritual strength, and that is Christ's strength. The second thing we need to realize is spiritual battle for us to stand requires an armor. And if you go to Romans chapter 13, verse 14, we realize that this spiritual armor we're talking about in the book of Ephesians is actually a metaphor of Christ himself. The beauty of the theology of the Ephesian book is everything is about Christ. It's about Christ's identity. It's about the Christ nature, Christ's behavior. It's about Christ's strength. So everything God is trying to to show here is a masterpiece story by God the Father to make sure everything is brought under as one in Christ. So whether it's our identity, our identity is shaped in the new man, Christ. That's our goal. That's what our maturity is flowing into. Christ is already perfected, but we, we are work in progress. So we need to know spiritual battle requires spiritual strength and spiritual battle requires spiritual weapons, not physical. And the third thing I would like us to know is spiritual battle requires spiritual sight. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. We need discernment. We need discernment. And three ways, and we are not ignorant of this the wiles of the enemy, the Bible says, and that is um, in Ephesians chapter 12, that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We are fighting against spiritual forces. And this, these forces, what they intend to accomplish in our life, how they resist our unity and maturity as a church, is in they manifest themselves in like seven, um, I, I, could, I, I could identify like seven ways they affect us. Uh, the spirit, these evil spirits, they love to distract us. They love to discourage us. They love to cause us to be discontented. They love to help us to, to keep us doubting the word of God. They are deceptive. Ultimately, they want to divide our unity and destroy us. So because of this, we now need to
to learn to use our armor. And there are some pieces of armor that the Lord has provided for us. We need to keep in mind that this armor is the Lord's armor. It's not ours. As established in Romans 13, 14. So we are actually, in essence, uh, putting on Christ himself. He's our, Christ is our identity. Christ is who we love to imitate. So we don't imitate Christ. We first connect to Christ so that we can have the spirit of Christ to imitate Christ. So then we are now being given resources, strength through Christ and armor. So what are these armor? The first one is the belt of truth so that we can be able to design the errors of Satan. The second one is the breastplate, spiritual bulletproof of righteousness. The third one is the gospel of peace. That's like our spiritual shoe to protect us, to help us to share our faith with others. So we need to know the gospel story ourselves. And then whatever God is doing in our life, we need to be able to share those stories of how God is transforming us. The devil wants to destroy our testimony. That's how the battle works. But we need to know the story ourselves because there are alternative stories in the world. That's why we need to tell our own story so that other people can be transformed too. Then the other thing is we need to take the shield of faith because the enemy wants us to, to doubt the promises of God. So we need the shield of faith. Also, we need to follow the pattern of those who have lived a life of faith. We need to surround ourselves with the people of God too. Faith cannot be practiced in isolation. So as we are trusting the uh, promises of God, we are following the pattern of God, uh, we are uh, surrounding ourselves with the people of God then we, we make use of the shield of faith. In essence, the shield of faith is our trust in the promises of God. The next weapon is salvation. The enemy wants to affect our mind. He wants to, us to doubt our election. He wants us to doubt our justification, our regeneration, our reconciliation into the family of God, our adoption, sonship, and our sanctification. He wants to bring us to feel we are inadequate, we are dirty. But because we are seated with Christ, we know we are work in progress. We are not leaning on our own righteousness. We are leaning on the righteousness of Christ. So we know one day we'll be glorified. That's our destiny. And the final piece of uh, equipment is the sword of the Spirit to slay the enemy. So we need to receive the word of God. And when we receive the word of God through the spirit, we need to respond to the word of God. So whatever the Lord says is what we do. But finally, I want us to see in that um, Ephesians, something that is really interesting to me is a, a thought on prayer. What I want to conclude this message about after we know how to use the weapons of Christ, is to realize that when I was looking at Ephesians, I went to look at Revelation where the Lord was talking about the church in Ephesus. That is like 40 years span. And I discovered that 
the Lord was a little bit rebuking them to repent, that they know all this knowledge. At that time, Paul probably have died. Uh, Apostle John was the one that um, now received the, this message from Jesus Christ himself. And that's the piece of message I want to give to us like a warning. That in the midst of trying to let the things, the knowledge we know, to affect our behavior, we must know that we cannot go along becoming and doing without being with Jesus. So the Ephesian church has gotten to a stage whereby they are using their own strength to live the Christian faith. It's not going to work. Jesus had to rebuke them that for you to be able to manifest your identity and to stand against Satan, you need to force land to, to have a communion with him. He had to tell them that the only thing he has against them that's in Revelation is they need to repent and go back to their first love. And that's my challenge today to my hearers, that as we are trying to work out our sanctification to bring out the identity we have in Christ, we need to know it all starts with being with Jesus before we can become and do. Because without communioning with Christ, we will give a loophole to the enemy. So my challenge is we all need to go back to having communion. And that is where the theme prayer comes in. It seems to me that Apostle Paul was trying to do the thing like uh, when you do countdown, stop of the chart, whereby they start from 10 to 1, 1 being the best. So it's almost like prayer is the key. Prayer, worship. When you look at Jesus Christ's life, he always went into a solitary place to have communion with the Father so that he can be able to have the power to be able to do the things that he was sent to do, to behave like Christ, uh, to behave like his father, and to do like his father. So, why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for the word you've brought to us today. In our work in progress, some of my viewers might not even have connected to Christ. You can't have the power of Christ or the nature of Christ without first believing in him. So I pray that some of my hearers you have, if you're touched, if your life is in disarray and you need a change, you want to change your story, you don't like the story that you're in currently, I pray that the Lord by his Holy Spirit will touch you and you find a place to know that the story that changes all story is the story of connecting with Jesus. And number two, I pray, O oh Lord, that for us that are believers, they will find our steps back to know that for us to become like Jesus and to do like Jesus, we need to be with Jesus. So I pray, O oh Lord, for we believers that you help us to go back to Christ so that he can give us the strength to be able to be like him and do like him. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.